This podcast is proudly part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. If you'd like to check out more Kaiju and Tokusatsu goodness, go to kaijuramenmedia.com. I was like, what? What are you are you are you shaming my furriness now? What are you uh- <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Michael. Hello, you beautiful, beautiful people, you. (laughs) We have a fantastic episode planned out and i can say that with full confidence because we've already recorded uh the the rest of this episode (laughs) we have a very special guest on a returning guest to the podcast and uh we wanted to make sure and not take up too much of her time, but also wanted to spend as much time as we could talking about the main subject. So we recorded that whole section of the podcast already. But uh, yeah, so now we're just going back and wanted to cover a few news items and we're just dropping this in at the beginning. So that's it makes sense. It's confusing. I know. Whatever. It's a little confusing, but it's fine. Uh, we made it work. We know that uh, we know that our guest uh she had a lot of stuff she she had she's a little tight on time and we wanted to make sure we respected her her schedule so that's why we're kind of doing this a little bit backwards yeah yeah <laughs> she does a lot of work uh and ha- and does a lot of things so uh we wanted to make sure that she had uh we didn't take up too much of her time and that she could uh leave the podcast on a good note instead of being like oh, okay come on will you guys shut up already <laughs> oh for sure yeah 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 speaking of which um let's go ahead and hop into the news segment all right let's cue the beady beady cue the beady beady And the first bit of news is some personal news for the podcast because we uh, want to share some news about Kaiju Ramen Magazine and Kaiju Ramen Volume yes. 1. So mm-hmm. we wanted to just give a quick update. We we, we like to share our updates on Twitter. So if you don't hear anything on the podcast, uh, you can always check out our Twitter account uh, at Kaiju underscore ramen. That's where you can find out information about Kaiju Ramen. Um, but we have the proof for Kaiju Ramen Volume 1 in our hands so we can see how it's going to turn out, what it's going to look like, what size it is, all that kind of stuff. And boy, oh boy, does it look fantastic. Oh, it looks, oh boy. Yeah, me and, <clears throat> you, and I, um, you and I looked at that the other night, and it does look great. I was a little bit... Uh, I was a little bit nervous uh, when it came in and I know volume one being such an important book to us 
it was going to be important to get a physical copy or physical proof in hand to make sure everything was good to go. And barring any like really kind of like minor issues, uh, it looks great and I'm really excited and my, and I can breathe a little bit easier now that, that we know it, it, what it's going to look like. So yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So we're excited. We're hoping to get this, this, uh, book in everybody's hands and get them sent out to everybody who backed us on Kickstarter, everybody who is supposed to be getting yep. a copy. We're going to hopefully get it by May. We got to get the orders in, get the, all the shipping addresses and get all of that stuff organized, get the packing material to pack everything up to be able to be shipped. So there's still a lot of work to do. So don't anybody who's waiting for Kaiju Ramen volume one, it's still going to be probably another month or so before you get your copy. But just know that we are still hard at work and we are, we're excited. We're excited. It, 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 it turned out really good. I mean, you know, for, for being a two person job, that we are, you know, minus all the writers and artists who contribute to us. But as far as like putting the book together and getting the articles mm -hmm. laid out for being a two person job, I think we did a good job. Um, it's, you know, obviously oh, I think we did an excellent job. I'm a perfectionist. So I always tend to look at my mistakes and the things that, that are wrong and, and the things that aren't exactly perfect, but I always have to keep reminding myself it. We're just two people. And we're not, you know, we're not like a big company that's doing all of, you know, doing this. We're just two idiots who love this stuff and decide to put this out for everybody. So, so I'm, I'm having to kind of like control my perfectionist side, but at the same time, I think that everyone's going to be happy with it. I think everyone's going to be satisfied with it. It just looks fantastic and it's thicker no. than what I expected. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think it's going to be great. Um, I'm just super excited about it. And you know, we're not two idiots, Travis. Come on. We're, we've been doing this thing for a little over a year now. So we know what we're doing. It may not be perfect, mm. but we still know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Our reviews on, on Squarespace. <laughs> <begged to differ>. um, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, no. I'm just going to, no, we're not going there because, um, yeah. Besides volume one, we also have been working on issue five. We released the, the digital version. Everybody's been ordering that and getting uh, you know their digital copies, but we're still waiting for the physical copies. We had some issues that we had to fix with the, with printing. That's why it's taken a little bit longer to get these physical copies, but they are ordered yep. and they are on the way. And so by the beginning of Next month, which is by by what April by by April first, they will be on sale for people to order. I think I made the announcement yesterday, um, along with some along with some other news about that issue. I made the announcement they should be on sale Thursday, March thirty first, is what we're aiming for. Okay, okay, sounds good. Sounds good. So that's that's just a quick update on everything that we've got going on with Kaiju Ramen right now. Um, you can do always want to mention. Do we want to mention? Do we want to mention this? I don't want. I don't mean to interrupt you. You can take this out, but uh, you want to mention the slight price increase? 
Yes. Okay. So yeah, if you haven't been following us on Twitter, we did announce that the physical copies, the digital copies are going to stay the same price, but the physical copies of the magazine are going to be going up by a dollar. Is it, is it just a dollar? No, it's going to go. No, the price, the price needed to be increased from 1099 to 1299. So $2, $2. Okay. So So the price is going to by $2. uh, And that's just because we're printing them differently. Now we're not doing um, Mm -hmm. saddle stitch uh, binding. We're doing square binding, which means we can do more Mm -hmm. pages. We're not limited to a certain number of pages. We actually can expand out and do a few more pages, which people who order issue five will notice that this magazine actually has probably about 20 more pages than, uh, the other previous issue. So that's, that's more Kaiju content that that's available, but also um, the, the whole printing costs and, and costs of materials are going up right now all over for everything. So we had to increase the prices, but we hope that everyone will understand. uh, And we tried to keep it still within the affordable range because we want people to enjoy this and just know that every penny of that goes towards helping us continue to do more kaiju content. Like it really is just, we're using the funds from this to continue to do even more stuff. So just know that that's where the money goes. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's, you know, this, your, the, the price increase will just like Travis said, it'll, it'll allow us to be able to include more content, um, and it will go towards a good cause. It'll, it'll support, It'll support independent creators and independent writers, uh, just like everyone who's helped us in this magazine so far. And we're just incredibly grateful. So, so yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's everything for Kaiju Ramen. And if you want to keep up with the news, we, we try to periodically post on Twitter, uh, to keep everybody updated. So if you don't hear it on the podcast, but you still want to know what's happening with Kaiju Ramen, go follow us on Twitter at Kaiju underscore Ramen or check out Kaiju Ramen media.com. Cause that's also where all the information is. So that's just a bit of news there. Now we can move into the actual news. The first bit of news, which is probably the biggest news that we've had this week, which is the announcement that Pacific Rim, the black season two, which is also the conclusion to this series will be released on Netflix on April 15th. This comes as kind of a shock because I didn't realize it was going to be, uh, finished so quickly. I thought this was going to be kind of a, a, um, a, have more seasons or at least more going on than just the two seasons and done. Oh yeah. I mean, I was, I think I, did I, did I mention it to you or I'm, I know I mentioned it to a couple of friends of ours where I didn't realize that like they were just going to end the series like this. Cause the first series, the first season was rather short to begin with. It was only like 13 episodes. I'm imagining this is going to be the same thing here. Mm-hmm. I fully expected it to be, to go on for at least three seasons, but I guess, you know, I guess they're just, that's all the story. That's, that's all the story they want to tell. And you know, that's okay. It's just a little bit disappointing that it's going to be ending after this time around. Um, I'm really hoping that they're able to, uh, you know, kind of 
wrap tie up everything with a with a nice with a nice big exciting bow and you know it, it, they pay it off in the end that's what i'm really hoping for if this is going to be it just pay it off and you know give us something give us something really spectacular yeah i wonder because i haven't heard anything and i haven't seen any interviews or anything with any of the creative people involved to know whether this was intended to be the conclusion like like this is how it was always mm. planned to be or if they had a plan for more seasons and then just Netflix being Netflix said, no, we're going to have to cut it short. And so they had to wrap it up sooner. Maybe based on the watch analytics, maybe is what they're is what they're maybe. basing this off of. But well, I would Netflix, have, I, I would imagine Netflix has been canceling a lot of shows and, and pulling a lot of shows, even with good viewership, just because mm-hmm. of the expense of everything is going up. And also Netflix, uh, Netflix is kind of weird and I'm not going to get into a lot of the details with like the way that they're managed and stuff, at least, you know, the stuff that we hear about. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just the, the way that they, handle properties that are uh, i don't know that are that are pre-existing it's it's kind of it it just doesn't seem fair a lot of times towards the creatives who are involved in it i mean you know it's good that they have a platform that they you know can share stuff on like i was thinking of the creator of uh squid game uh how how that he was really happy that he had a platform in Netflix to be able to share this and that it was received so well and everything. But at the same time, I also hear a lot of people who are really disappointed with the way that Netflix is handling their properties and their stuff that they're doing. So, so I don't know that, like I said, I, I haven't heard anything about this. If this was always the intent or if this is, you know, someone in the process of the first season coming out saying, no, it needs to be finished next time around and we need to cut it there um don't know but we'll see hopefully like you said it'll all come to a nice conclusion we'll be satisfied and also the april 15th that's around the same time i think actually the same time it's the same week the, yeah the same week that the ultraman uh anime the season two of ultraman is dropping so it's going to be a big week for anime on netflix <laughs> Yeah, now that we now that we know of, this is not going to be the last season of Ultraman. Um, they're going to con- the, we haven't heard anything of, about it not being continued. So, and this all and the Ultraman series is one that you and I have been kind of looking forward to the most because it's been what it's been like two years, right? Has it been like two years it's since been, the last one came out? It's been three years. Cause it was in 2019 when the, when the first season came was out. Was it in 20? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And I know, and I get it like, you know, COVID and all that stuff, but from what we understand, hasn't this been, this has been done for a while. Like they, they could have released it, but at least majority of the work was done a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And so it, they could have released it if they tried to, uh, to do it earlier, but for some reason they held mm-hmm. on to it and held back. Um, don't know the full story behind that, but they did. We do know Probably that we'll never ma- find out either. Yeah. Yeah. But we do know because of news and, and sources that the majority of the work on it, all the animation and stuff was done, back in 2020 so this is they've been sitting on this for a while 
um on that one so uh don't don't know if it's the same story with pacific rim the black though we don't i don't know if that's the same case with them but we'll see so exciting news just exciting to continue in the pacific rim universe because that universe is such a rich universe to explore so i'm happy that we're going back to it yeah so i'm looking forward to it i really like i said i enjoyed i enjoyed season one i said issue one but i enjoyed season one of uh pacific rim the black i'm looking forward to this i'm looking forward to ultraman just means that we're gonna have more content to talk about in the near future And we're definitely going to get more content from it because like they they are still releasing comic books like they've already announced a prequel comic book for Pacific Rim the Black. So, you know, that's cool. So so I I just even though this is the conclusion of this series, I'm hoping that we will continue to have more Pacific Rim content as you know, time goes on. Yeah, for sure. Moving into the next bit of news, we had an announcement that a new anime series is coming out and it's being produced by Toho. It's not being uh, created and animated by Toho, but it's being produced and released through Toho. Um, And it is called Kaiju Number 8. It's a sci-fi horror manga. This is already this is based on the manga um, that's already come out. It was created by Matsumoto Nioa, um, Nioya, uh, and it's going to get the an anime adaptation, and it's going to be released soon. We're going to get an official announcement and a release date soon. Um, the I looked into this this uh, manga and the story because I didn't know anything about it. Um, so I was reading about it before we started recording, and. The story behind this, just from reading it about it online, sounds very similar to uh, Attack on Titan. Uh, it's kind of like an Attack on Titan meets Pacific Rim kind of blend. I am very curious, again, because I haven't read the manga, how the anime is going to differentiate itself and kind of set itself apart from those other properties that it kind of is inspired by, but not being an exact carbon copy of. So I'm kind of interested to see how that, you know, how it, how it sets itself apart. Um, you have anything? I've never watched. I've never, wa- I was gonna say, I never watched attack on Titan. I've uh-huh. heard a lot. Like anytime our friend, anytime our anime friends talk about anime and recommend anime. They always recommend attack on Titan Evangelion, you know, those types of things. Um, I think even was it Brandon, not Brandon, um, Ben, the fake nerd, Ben, Ben. Thank you. I'm so sorry, Ben. Uh, I think even Ben, when you, when we had our, uh, discussion about, uh, about mechs and they was talking, he was talking about anime. He was talking about, he, I think he mentioned attack on Titan. So anytime, any, anytime anime comes up, people talk about attack on Titan. And I know our friend Nathan has even been watching. He's been catching up on attack on Titan. Um, It's one of those ones that's been recommended for us to review on the podcast. And I had always been against it because it was something that I was just not interested in covering Um, just because Mm -hmm. of personal taste. It did not line up with my personal taste, but after watching some of it, uh, finally sitting down and watching some of it, I'm not against covering it on the podcast at some point, but it is just one of those shows that's because it's very, very dour, very dour. Um, 
but yeah uh but just just the the synopsis that i read about this kaiju number eight uh it sounded a lot like attack on titan that's why you know i just said it, it kind of there's very similar it's it's siblings who join a force that is trying to defend mankind against giant monsters that are attacking them that they don't know where they come from and then the boy uh who you know who's the main character gets the it, by somehow in some way gets the power to transform into a version of the of the monsters that they're fighting so that he can also fight and that's that is like the same story that's in attack on titan like that is the exact same thing there so, and that's kaiju number eight so so like i said i i'm interested to see how this series differentiates itself from that and also from pacific rim the black which is also a very similar premise but uh, we will we'll check out Kaiju number eight when it comes out and we will and if it's if it's something that we're interested in, we will probably cover it on the podcast. So uh, we'll see. I'm still holding out for that Kong anime legendary. Oh, it's on the way. It's on the way. I mean, we just got the. I mean, we did just get the news of uh, Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's been officially said yet, but it's most likely going that news we broke last week about the, uh, the next monster verse film is likely going to be a Kong film. Most likely. Yeah, like I would venture to say 95% is going to be a Kong film. Yeah. And I kind of thought that, I think we even mentioned that when covering it last week, that it's probably going to be Kong related because I, it yeah. feels like the monster verse was moving away from being Godzilla focused and making Kong kind yeah. of the central figure um but we don't know we also have that godzilla series that's coming that's also tied into the monster verse so who knows who knows what's going to happen with that yeah. um yeah, and sure. then we had uh, a bit of news i forgot to put it in the notes but we just had an announcement from spiral studios the next installment in their monster verse kaiju or titans um line is behemoth and that they showed the pictures of what the figure is uh, looks like and yeah it's uh gonna be i think it i think they said a quarter three release is what it is up for so yeah i was talking to uh i was talking to aj who's uh who has a big role with spiral he's the uh, aj at kaiju live who's mm -hmm. the american distributor for spiral studios um and i think it is a quarter i think it's a quarter three release i'm pretty sure it's a quarter three release um looks great um i don't know if i'm a big enough fan of the behemoth character to buy it especially at 570 i think it's what the price the price point's mm -hmm. gonna be but considering it's like a 40 some odd centimeter figure um you know that's about that's about the usual run of them that's usually the 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 run price for anything this highly detailed and uh, and whatnot. So so yeah, I'm I'm excited for people to get it. I will most likely skip it. Um, I only have one thing from Spiral on the way, um, and it was a little bit of a stretch for me to get it. And so yeah, that that should do me for a, for a bit on Spiral Studio stuff. 
Okay, and the last bit of news we're going to cover before we get to our main topic and introduce our guest is just the announcement that the first issue of Godzilla vs. the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is now available from Boom Studios. Uh, or, or no, it's, for, it's through IDW. It's through IDW. Have you, uh, in partnership have you read that? No, have I haven't. I haven't actually read it yet, um, but I know you okay. have. I I did. I read it on day one. Um, it is going to be a journey for sure. Uh, just some, just some initial first impressions. I'm going to, I'm going to write something for the, for the website about it, but they're, they're going to lean really hard into the gimmick, which we weren't, which we're not really surprised by. Um, not a whole lot of revelatory stuff was shown off in issue one. We did get some big moments, uh, as we expected, they got, they got into the action almost immediately. Um, and you do have, it's already been shared on Twitter, like the image of Godzilla squaring off with, with the dragon Zord, um, is a big moment in that book. I'm not going to go into detail on, you know, who wins or whatever, but, um, it is a big moment in that book. It's a big moment for these two franchises to cross over like this. The book, the, the issue one's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to just kind of the next uh, four, because it's only a five issue run. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to the next four issues to see how the story pans out. But seeing, you know, Rita and Rita and the moon crew and the Exilians and Godzilla and all these different Kaiju and Zords come and the Rangers come together. Uh, it's a, it's a trip, man. It's, it's, it's a trip. And I, and I'm, I'm ready to take this journey. Is, is it a power trip? It is a power trip for sure. And I think the plan (laughs) is when this, when this series, when, thank you, when this series, uh, ends in, I think it's over in July. I think it's when it ends. Uh, when this series ends, we're going to get a few of us together. You, Kim, uh, me, Nathan, and maybe if whoever, and we're just going to sit around and we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about it with the people who have actually read the book uh, and kind of compare and contrast the cultural and the, like the pop cultural significance of a, of a large crossover like this. So it should be a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. And that's going to do it for the news. We didn't really have much to talk about this week, um, but we want to get into yep. the main topic and introduce our very special guest. So let's do that now. All right. So now we can move into our main topic for this week. And to cover our main topic this week, we have a very special guest on the podcast. She is a returning guest because we've had her on before to talk about girls who like monsters or love monsters uh, and all the wonderful things that she's done with that. But now she's involved in other projects which is destiny or also known as kaiju hime on the internet hi it's welcome Des. <laughs> thanks thank you for having me yeah, that was a pleasure and- you are you're one of our favorite people uh you've had a, you, you've had a you've had a huge role in the success of our little side project kaiju ramen and we thought when you when you mentioned, I think it was Travis that saw it, not me. But when um, you mentioned on the, on the Twitters that you wanted to talk about this movie, we said, "What the hell? Sure, <laughs> okay." Yeah. Oh, I'm so flattered, you guys. You're so sweet. 
<laughs> so for anyone who hasn't listened to our episode where that uh, where we had you on before um well we actually had you on twice before because we had you on the annihilation episode and then you were mm-hmm. on the girls who love monsters takeover of kaiju weekly where we had you yeah. and lisa nafziger and kaiju kim who took over the podcast for one week um but if anybody's mm-hmm. not familiar with those episodes would you like to kind of uh tell everybody about yourself sure well first of all if you haven't heard them you probably should go back and listen to them <laughs> they were great episodes um, i had a lot of fun on the girls takeover and it's mm-hmm. like i'm like oh man i really want to do a podcast but mad respect to you guys because it's a lot of work <laughs> um <sighs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess a little bit about me. Um, I go by Kaiju Hime these days on the internet. Um, I like to draw cute monsters and um, I'm very passionate about creating uh, platforms in which um, people within certain fandoms, um, that gives that gives um, minorities like a voice to share their love and passion for like monster fandoms and stuff like that Uh, just because growing up and always being a fan of giant monster movies and like monster movies in general and like dinosaurs and things like that it's typically been a very uh, male dominated um Mm fandom and field and everything and always feeling like a social outcast but thanks to the internet uh you know we're able to communicate with so many different people so many different walks of life and you know i think that it's really important to change the narrative around this these fandoms and and um you know yeah it, because even though fandoms like your interests don't make up who you are as a person mm. um they all have it all has deeper meaning to us as people like everyone you talk to they everyone has different reasonings for why they're passionate about certain things and i think that's just a really beautiful thing to be able to share and evangelize <laughs> yeah well yeah. no matter and, and we've talked well no matter where you as I say, no matter where you come from, there's always this interesting through line that you can find with within fandom. Uh, you can find enough like mutual interests with one another to regardless of like where your what your economic status or whatever is, the, the fandom serves as a, a good catalyst for a lot of different people to come together and share similar mm-hmm. interests. Yeah, and and we've talked about it, I think. Uh, in a previous episode, I don't I don't remember which episode we had uh, talked about it, but I know we we've uh, I've mentioned before um, as someone who who is a fan of comic books as well. Like I grew up reading comic books. Um, I remember a a a female fan um, telling me how unwelcomed to comic shops she felt like like that mm-hmm. she was told you know or she was automatically 
treated like you must be here for someone else you're not here for yourself you you don't know what's going on you don't know how uh uh, what these characters are who these characters are and stuff and how just unwelcomed she felt and that that's stuck with me even coming into now the kaiju fandom the bigger you know uh and getting connected into the larger uh kaiju fandom that explanation that that she gave me you know years ago kind of has care i've carried that with me into every fandom of now it's like man there are people who feel unwelcomed in these groups and i don't like that because no Mm -hmm. one should feel unwelcomed in these in these groups because the whole point is for us to share our love for these things and so that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that we you know here at kaiju weekly really admire about you uh kaiji hime is because you you do kind of try you try to make people feel welcomed and you try to reach out to those ones who are usually excluded from the larger conversations and try to give them a voice and i really really appreciate that and i I like that oh thanks yeah and i also like there's only so much going on in the world right and that a lot of us use fandoms and our interests to kind of escape all of that, you know, especially Mm -hmm. like, you know, we're still living in the COVID world. So, Mm -hmm. you know, my whole attitude is like, Hey, let's, let's create a space. Let's for everyone, let's be able to, be able to escape the you know trauma of like everyday living right now and you know let's let's you know be chill and cool and like nice to each other you know it's like yeah it's it feels like it's such a rare thing and it's like let's just find ways to like cultivate that you know so which is easier said than done Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah and before we get into our main discussion of the ep- uh, of the um, the movie that we're going to talk about, I did want to highlight a recent project that you uh, were involved in that you you spearheaded really, and uh, we just recently got. I, I know I just earlier this week got my copy in the mail, and that's the Gamera magazine that you put together. Yay! Yeah, I have my copy sitting. I have my copy sitting here on the desk and, you know, kudos to you and Tanner and all those people that helped put that thing together, Destiny. It is a beautiful book. Thank you. I'm so glad I, um, I'm putting this out there though, right now, like I'm taking a very long break before I do something like this again. (laughs) because <laughs> i had just finished like girls who love monsters and i was like you know what i need to do another, another project <laughs> yeah <laughs> why am i doing this but it was just like um i was kind of i was inspired because um patrick who he did the cover artwork for the book mm. um he got he got me into gamera like i was always into godzilla i had no idea who gamera was um of course like he got me into the gamera films like a long like many many years ago sure um but because of you know all of the great news of everything that's been happening with the monsterverse and all of the new godzilla stuff that we have like you know just very thankful Mm -hmm. for that but you know i had watched the like millennium 
camera movies and I was just like these are really really good and like why do, why isn't there more camera stuff and I'm the kind of person where I'm like due to the magic of like the internet these days and I'm just like you know why isn't there more of this stuff no one's doing it mm -hmm. well I'm gonna do it <laughs> like that um, is the attitude that so... we that created kaiju ramen so <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. it's you know when when you sit back and you and when you sit back and you see a a spot that needs to be filled uh like the Ga like uh, gamma the great or kaiju ramen you know just do it like just just do it yourself i guess yeah. is to put to put it succinctly just do it yourself if you see a, if you see a spot that needs to be filled within fandom just fill it you know what was what i also really wanted to do with that project was um i wanted to uh, uh, you know i've it was a charity project right i wanted to do sure. my my last project was more for profit because i wanted to at least be able to pay the artist something but because sure. i don't own camera um i was like you know let's do this like charity charity project um we raised a good amount of money um i sent that to our charities and the person who owns one of the local charities here in my state it was medusa's misfit rescue and they um they're a rescue solely for um reptiles so like oh wow yeah it was, it was cool a friend of mine actually introduced me to the rescue and i had like messaged them at one point and i was like do you have any um like <laughs> ball pythons or bearded dragons and they're like sorry we're all out and i'm like that's amazing um <laughs> but yeah. i had sent i had sent the payment over to them and they wrote me a very personalized little email that was just like wow like thank you so much for your like super generous donation and i was just like yeah you know you were one of the chosen charities for uh this project and they were just they were excited like you know when they were like we had no idea this is so cool oh my gosh <laughs> so it's like things like that also is like um paying it forward i feel mm -hmm. like that's really important to me um you know i would i would love to be able to do more of these projects um and be able to like be able to actually pay all of the artists and everything involved but because it's like run by one or two people it's right it's a lot <laughs> oh yeah. it's difficult you know we've <clears throat> we've we've kind of relied on you know our relationships and the generosity of wonderful people like you to have helped us out with kaiju ramen uh and you know we are we are incredibly blessed to been able to pay everybody uh for their for their work and their time because i think we think that that's very important but you know we're just it, it's great when people can come together and do things uh selflessly like that and i think that that's what makes gamma the great so special it's yeah. so great <laughs> yeah i'm yeah, just really <laughs> i'm just really happy to hear that everyone's enjoying it it's and that the uh that the book turned out good because uh, as you know printing doing anything with print like there's a lot of like holding your breath and being like oh my gosh what if this doesn't come out good and mm -hmm. I got a couple extra copies and some of my copies came out with like um the the cover had a splotch on it or something and I'm right. like ah! 
did everyone's get a splotch? <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I, Travis can attest. I am a, I am a insufferable nervous wreck to put it, to put it mildly when we're, wa- <laughs> when we're waiting on uh, physical copies to come in the mail. Yes. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. I'm just and, like, and we ah. have had problems with, with, I mean, we, we have a great printer that we work with. So, I mean, I'm nothing against them, but we did have a, 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 for issue three of the magazine, we had a misprint. So it, so each time, even though I trust the printer, I'm each time we do a new issue or a new thing, I'm like, I, I still think back to that misprint that we did in issue three. And I'm like, Ugh. I, I still I'm still nervous. Like, is it going to be because I still have boxes of, of misprinted issue three sitting in my in my uh, underneath my desk right now. So <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like I don't want to have to go through that again, please. <laughs> maybe, sell them for discount. Sell them for discount. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe yeah. when we're maybe when we're fa- maybe when we're famous, we'll go to a con and sign them all and say these are misprinted. Uh, they're one of a kind. One hundred dollars a piece. <laughs> exactly it's like well then i was gonna i was thinking about if we started doing cons if we started doing tables at cons that we are just gonna have those there for the that's what that's what we'll do for the for our table <laughs> do it. not a hundred dollars but but we will definitely we'll have some of the misprinted ones there for people it's like hey yeah this is a misprinted one you can have it <laughs> oh that'd be nice that's a great way to get people at your table <laughs> yeah yeah um, but yeah, let's let's now get into the main topic, the the reason why we are here and we have Destiny on today. Um, to introduce our main topic, we always like to ask trivia questions each week to hint to what we are covering. And the trivia question that we asked last week was, what movie was described as the Hulk but cuter? at disney's d23 in 2021 and we had a few answers come through and so i want to give a shout out to all of them real quick uh record all monsters sent us in turning red king turning red alone turning super robot red baron he said take your pick (laughs) thank you for all of those answers those were good uh jimmy from nasa sent us hulk jimmy from nasa uh and then sent us a uh the jimmy neutron episode uh, a a link to the jimmy neutron episode where jimmy neutron becomes like a big hulk type character like okay thank you thank you jimmy And then I think this is Nathan, uh, the co-host of the Power Trip podcast, who sent us through the Power Trip podcast Twitter, uh, forever turning a different shade of red, which is a that was actually that was actually me, by the way. Oh, was that you? Well, you're on the podcast. Why are you sending the I know, answer? but still, you know, I just wanted to. <laughs> it was funny. It was funny. It came to me. It came to me when I was on the toilet. And then, um, there you go. There you go. Like most that, of that my great ideas. I was going to say that's how I get all of my great ideas. Yeah. yeah. In the, the toilet the... or in the shower is how I get all my great oh. ideas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> both both. Like the bathroom is the ideas room. Just anywhere in the bathroom, that's where your ideas come come to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, as soon as you walk in there, it's just like, uh, inspiration. 
Right, exactly. <laughs> of but course, I did... now I can't do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And knowing me, I'll probably forget by the time I get out. <laughs> um, but I did like that. I did like that answer. It was a callback to Forever Red, the, the Power Rangers episode where all the Red Rangers came together. So I know and Power Rangers. a different Rangers. shade of pink. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's when uh, Cat took over as uh, mm-hmm. as uh, the Pink Ranger. That's right. Uh, then Nathan from the Monster Island Film Vault sent us the incredible, incredibly bizarre Chinese parody knockoff, President She-Hulk, but she with a <laughs> I like XI. That one. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> I love that little snort in there. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good answer, Nathan. Uh, Nathan notoriously will send us like five answers each week. So so he has to have a good one in there every once in a while. (laughs) Every now and then. It's it's fine, though. And uh, speaking of She-Hulk, Gzilla 100 sent us She-Hulk. And uh, and oh boy, Gzilla, Gzilla! If 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 I could cover She Hulk on this podcast, I totally would because I love She Hulk. That is one of my favorite comic book characters. Speaking of, really excited for the series. I know. Oh, Tatiana Maslany as She Hulk. Oh yes, yes, please. Uh, I cannot <laughs> wait. <laughs> Uh, and then our friend Danny DeManna from the Godzilla Novelization Project sent us a Bugs Life 2 pandemonium. <laughs> I like that one. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah. And then Crystal Lady Jessica sent us a Gretzico. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with what a Gretzico is. Don't ask me. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. Okay, yes. I I, I knew I could trust Destiny to know what Agretzico was. <laughs> uh, Michael, oh, it yeah. is it's like a workplace comedy slash uh, yeah comedy, um, but just with cute animals. In and one and the main one is a uh, is a, pa- a red panda. Okay, so this is not the the animal thing that you talk about from time to time, where the animals look like people, is it? Not B stars. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, not B stars. I like that. I like that. The destiny knew what you were talking about before I did, and you were referencing the thing I talked about. <laughs> I was like, "What? What are you? Are you? Are you shaming my furriness now? What are you?" Uh. I'm just wondering because we've talked a lot about we've talked a lot about media with cute furry animals, and your definition of cute is fungible. So we'll. we'll yeah. <laughs> No, it's not. It's not B stars. Um, that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> that I can have that I will not have on this podcast. But Agretzo is, is is it's a it's cute. It's on Netflix, so you can watch it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's a workplace comedy, but with animals. Uh, and it and it's I, not meant fun. for kids. It's more of an adult show, even though it's got cute animals. Yeah, yeah made by Sanrio. Um. My, yes. So I actually found out about it by my younger sister, like years before there was an anime, because years ago when she was like, she was very young 
and mm-hmm. I was like, if you were an animal, you would be a red panda. And at the time, like that was like a lot of people didn't know what they were. Um, so, you know, she <laughs> it was mm-hmm. now they're like super popular, and everyone when they see red panda stuff, they like get it for her. But like we talk a lot about that show because we both sort of work in like corporate environments. So like watching mm-hmm. that show and it's like. I feel this in my soul. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely speaks to if you've ever worked it. It's it's like the office or or office space or one of those types of things where it's like if you've ever worked in this environment, it, it speaks to you on a certain level. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I feel and- like gory. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like gory in that show, the gorilla. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's made by the same people who do uh, Hello Kitty and, and all the Sanrio. Um, so uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, cute, adorable animals. So anyway, I just, I just like showing off that I know, I know anything animal related that's also Japanese. I tend to know about for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> And then our final answer to our trivia question was from Spideris, who sent us turning red and then asked the question, why are you reviewing this? And to answer that question, I will say, because it's our podcast and we do what we want. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, just hang on tight and listen to what we have to say. It's our our house, our rules. Our house, our rules. (laughs) I mean... To be fair, we've covered some stuff that's not straight up kaiju monster monster stuff before. So this isn't this isn't that far outside. Danny and I covered Planet of the Apes. Yeah, so this isn't that so, far outside of our wheelhouse for our podcast. But yes, we are covering Turning Red from 2022. It was just released just this month. Uh, And I'll run through the cast and crew list real quick. So we have, it was directed by Dami. Is it Dami or Domi? I think it's Dami. Dami Shi, which was her first uh, directorial work that she's ever done. This was her uh, feature directorial debut. Uh, it stars Rosalie Chang, Sandra Oh, Ava Morse, Hien Park. Uh, now this one I'm going to struggle with pronouncing really bad, but it's uh, M- uh, Maitri uh, Ramakrishan, I think is how you might pronounce it, but I might be wrong and I'm very sorry. Um, she she plays the she plays one of the friends in the friend group uh of the main character uh we also have orion lee wei ching ho tristan alaric chin and james hong and my goodness when i heard james hong's voice in this i was like yay i had a little little fan moment because i just i love him he's good (laughs) and uh do we have a plot breakdown michael uh no but i guarantee you destiny does <laughs> uh, okay. do i put put our guest on the spot like that do i, do I just am i just gonna i'm gonna wing it <laughs> you're gonna wing it yeah that's what yeah. we do on this podcast we wing it uh plot plot breakdown okay there's um may and she's like you know at a crossroads in her life being a preteen 
um, you know, and that time of your life is very difficult because you start um, wanting autonomy um, and you're not yet an adult and like, still a child. And so your relationships um, change and morph over time. And she, she then learns that her family has a secret and that when they are too, their emotions run hot, she turns into a panda monster. <laughs> and then yeah. and then shenanigans <laughs> shenanigans yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so opening thoughts on this, this is movie. a really interesting go ahead i was just gonna say this is a really interesting i okay so i went into this not knowing anything about it and I talked to my and I've talked to people about like, oh, really? You didn't know that this was, was this that's what the, this movie was about? I'm like, no, I just saw Pixar on the TV and decided to watch it. Thank you. Um, so because I love I love Pixar movies. Because Pixar movies, they they have this way about them to be to uh, explore themes from a very accessible point of view, but also they're written incredibly well. Like for ex- for example, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. Like the scene where um, May May May's mo- is it May May or May? I think it's just May. They, well, her um, name's May, but they call her May May. May May. Okay, I like May May. So when May when May May is going through her first transformation, and there's the whole bit about you know her going through her cycle for the first time. I don't know. Am I allowed to say cycle or should I just say period? I don't know. You can say whatever you want. Okay. All right. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm allowed as a, as a, as a guy, I don't know what I'm allowed to say, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but when she's, when, when it's implied when her mother assumes or thinks she's going through a period for the first time, um, there's that really, there's that really interesting bit of writing there. That's, that's very clever, I think. And one of the lines in that scene is the mom is talking to May May and May May's in the, in the shower trying to hide from her mother because she's a big giant panda at this point. And she's, she says, May May, it's okay. Your body's just going through changes. And May May says, Oh, it's going through changes. All right. <laughs> and I just think that that is such a clever little bit of writing. That's, that's incredibly like just accessible to, to all ages. And I, I just, this movie's just fun. This movie's <laughs> just fun. Yeah. yeah. I, t- I kind of took this, that transformation um, as it's really a metaphor, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm like, I'm like, this is why they should, I think they chose a red panda. Mm. could have been a black and white panda but it was red panda (laughs) yeah but um i know a lot of i know i was reading stuff online i was just very very confused about how up in arms people were about that because um to echo what michael was saying how accessible it was i mean like there is absolutely like nothing wrong in that scene and, and it was done in a way that was like very accessible very matter of fact um you know and mm-hmm. also it was cute and funny like you know the yeah. mom's like pulling uh, pulling all the stuff out of the box and like as um as a woman who's been there and like you know when you reach that point of your life it can for me at least it was traumatic 
Mm -hmm. um you know so being able to like talk about it accessibly and um relatably but also humorously i think that was I had a good chuckle. <laughs> yeah, and and I I was going to get into that particular scene when we get into more details, but we're already here, so we can just we can talk about it because I saw when the you know after the first week of the movie coming out, a lot of people getting up in arms about that scene. Yeah, you know, and I won't say everyone was but there was a vocal minority who who were like, okay. well, this isn't this isn't kid friendly because this isn't a thing that kids and i got and i sh I, I had to catch myself because i was like i shouldn't be getting that angry but i was getting angry because i'm like what about this is not kid friendly like this is exactly the type of thing that kids should be hearing and should be seeing like kids, uh, kids go through this yeah, it's it's a thing that kids have to deal with. So why wouldn't you have something like that? It's like and and not to to get off topic, but it's almost like saying that oh, characters shouldn't die in a kids movie because kids can't handle death. It's like it's the same mentality of like kids have to deal with these realities and putting them in mm -hmm. movies that are meant for kids helps them to understand and kind of process it ahead of time so that they know when they do, mm -hmm. when they are faced with this thing, how to process it. And for me personally, I, I was raised by my mother. She was a single mother. Um, my dad wasn't really in the picture for most of my life. So my mom was the type of person who was like, I'm going to teach you and tell you things that you have that 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 girls have to go through so that you can relate to them and understand what they're going through when you get to that age. Even though I didn't have sisters, I had cousins, mm -hmm. but they didn't live, you know, with us, so I didn't have and and I think that kind of helped me as I became an adult because when I started getting into relationships like my ex-fiance when we started getting serious, I was like, "Hey, tell me what type of products you you have because or that you use because when when you are on your period and you don't feel like going to the store i i'll go and pick mm -hmm. it up for you but i need to know what type you use so that i know what to what to mm -hmm. go in and i'm not going in blind because <laughs> then otherwise <laughs> i will buy the whole aisle and bring it and be like okay what <laughs> it's you with the box <laughs> Right, exactly. But it's so and, and so it's just like and she and, and I remember my ex fiance being kind of thinking that was a little silly, but also being, you know, kind of taken aback by it because it's like, well, you know, guys aren't usually like that. I'm like, no, I, this stuff doesn't bother me. Like, mm -hmm. you just tell tell me what you need. I'll go and get it. And and it's because I was taught at an early age by my mother to understand mm -hmm. what this is and not view it as something that is disgusting or something that shouldn't be discussed about or something that shouldn't be talked about or something to hide. And that's just from me and I'm a guy. So I can only imagine being a 13 year old girl and being felt like, you know, or made to feel like this is something that you can't talk about. This is something disgusting that you're not supposed to mention to other people. And then watching this movie and it being right there on screen and talked about so openly, mm -hmm. it just, it must, uh, it must yeah, be so, really special. Yeah. And my thought process is that the more 
we address things like this in media, it becomes normalized. And like, that's what's important, right? It's Mm -hmm. by not talking about it and not showing it in media, we are telling young people still that same narrative of this is something that you have to hide and being more open about it. And also like what you were saying with your relationships, I've always said that where I'm just like, you, if you're a man, if you're a straight man and you're going to be in a relationship with a woman, you need to know, cause it's going to mm-hmm. affect you too. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, um, but there, it, it, there is this, um, phenomenon i feel like in our society uh for like scape using children as scapegoats because a lot of mm-hmm. this comes from adults who are like i'm an adult and this made me comfortable but oh we should think of the children and it's like right. no you are using the children just the children as a scapegoat because if you talk to a child like a young person who's mm-hmm. seeing this movie and you know i'm sure if they were a young girl that it would be like yeah this is whatever like Mm -hmm. this is what we deal with that's (laughs) fine yeah or even like younger kids like if it's something that they don't understand or they don't need to understand yet they're not it's not going to resonate with them they'll just be like oh look a red panda ha you know it's like we shouldn't use children as scapegoats as adults when we find something uncomfortable You know, and, and, and then if you of... as an adult are like, uh-huh. oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, you're good. Go ahead. Um, it yeah, it kind of goes back to that kind of old fashioned, and and I know not every society is like this, so I'm just speaking from the an American from the American side of things, but but just that old fashioned way of that that we don't talk about these types of things. We don't talk about bodily functions. Period. We, uh, you know, we don't talk about uh growing up and and the changes that you're going to go through and those types of things uh because we those are the those are hush hush things and and my mom has said the reason why she is so open with was like that with me as a kid trying to prepare me you know to to know about these things as i grew up was because she didn't get that as a kid her her mom my Mm -hmm. grandmother didn't know anything when she was a teenager and so didn't tell my mom anything when she was a teenager and so it was just kind of my mom wanted to break the cycle of this stuff being hush hush and we don't talk about this stuff we don't address this stuff and so i think that there's there is still that mindset that exists with a lot of people of no we don't we don't talk about that keep your voice down we don't want to and they're just using the kids like you said as a scapegoat as an excuse oh but but what about the children don't care it's you who's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and if this makes you uncomfortable then too bad this is stuff that needs to be talked about so get over it it's just I, i like i said i had a lot of uh a lot of feelings when I read people's reactions to that scene online. <laughs> well, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a re, you know, it's, it's a reality of life. It's a reality of biology. Mm-hmm. You, know, when, you know, I think that it's, imp- I think in movies like this are important because it does destigmatize the, the, the concept or not concept, but the, uh, the biology surrounding what happened when young women go through that certain point in their life, you know? And I think that's, I think that's, that's necessary. And like when I was using accessible earlier to, 
in the episode we were talking when I was giving my first initial thoughts, I was kind of thinking about that because it doesn't talk. This movie doesn't talk down to children. It talks to them, but it doesn't talk down to them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, it does feel it like puts it's things... a kid talking to a kid. It feels like it is peers talking to right. peers. And I think that's great right. about this film. Yeah, absolutely. And it just, I just really enjoy films like this that don't talk down to the audience, that don't handhold your audience. Um, now, as far as like the people who got upset about this movie, I don't see the point in getting upset over this movie. If you'd have done because like I said, this is like we've talked about, this is just a natural part of life. And it's an area of life that doesn't get highlighted a whole lot. It, it needs to be talked about. It needs to be, um, it, it needs to be brought to light so that people that are so that, so that when young women that are experiencing this don't feel like it's awkward. Yeah. Well, you have these people that are like, Oh, we do this. We're one step away from showing it. And then by showing it, yeah, we are yeah. we are taking away, you know, like mm-hmm. the feminine, like mystery, you know, like, mm-hmm. and you know, if you're thinking that way about a kids movie, you need to double check yourself. I'm right. all for preserve. <laughs> look, I'm all for preserving the innocence of children because I think that I think in the society in which we live, I think the kids do they are encouraged to grow up way too fast in my, from my perspective, I just think that kids are encouraged to grow up way too fast. But, um, I think that you can preserve kind of the innocence of growing up, but also touch on topics like this in a way that is relatable and accessible and makes sense. And like I've said, doesn't talk down to its audience. I think that's when, I think that's when movies and media like this are its most effective. And, and it preserves mm-hmm. their innocence because this this subject, this thing, is an innocent thing. There's nothing wrong yeah. with this. It's, it's it's completely innocent in itself. It's just the way that people have perceived it and and twisted it and made it into something else. That that so you can definitely talk about this subject and still preserve the innocence of of children. I don't think this movie was. I'll just I'll I'll just hang a lampshade on this, but I just don't think that this movie was as quote unquote sexualized as people were, com- were complaining about it being. Oh no, definitely. Oh yeah. Not. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There were just, but there were so many relatable scenes where I was just like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, and, and you know, the like, thing I'm is... relating to this so hard. <laughs> and the thing is that this, this movie, like one of the other criticisms that was irking me whenever I saw it on Twitter was I can't relate to this because this is a situation. This is something that I don't go through. Like the, the, the stuff that May May's going through, uh, not just with her period, but just in general, you know, of growing up and, and I'm, I'm like, okay, you may not have experienced the actual, the actual things that are being portrayed in here, but you, everyone goes through a phase in their life, whether you're a man, woman in between, it doesn't matter. You have experienced the, the feeling of, I don't know what's happening because I'm shifting from being a kid to an adult, but I'm still a kid, but I want to be an adult, but I also want to still have fun and be a kid. And, and I, I'm confused and I don't know what to do with this and maybe having to deal with an overbearing parent also kind of makes it a little complicated. 
everyone goes through that. It doesn't matter what what gender, yeah. what what uh, point, like how old you are or where you come from in the world. Everyone feels like that, and so I think that yes, yeah, specifically. I've never turned into a red panda when I got upset, so I can't relate to this thing. But like, that's a stupid argument that people were having. And it just irked me so bad because it's like, yes, I can relate to this because I have felt like I don't know what's happening because things are changing. I'm growing up, but I also don't want to grow up. But I also do want to grow up and I just don't understand what's happening to me. I I totally understand what that's like. So that's another crit. Like I said, I just yeah, I got more upset than I probably should have at the people who were talking about this movie and launching criticisms at it because I do think there are yeah. a few legitimate criticisms I have for this movie. There are some things I didn't like in this movie, but the things that people were picking up on and and was being shared around Twitter and stuff was just so stupid and was just irritating me so bad so i have i had to get that off my chest (laughs) (laughs) but to your point to that point um my feeling in response to those comments were um like me as a woman and other minorities um we have grown up and been expected to relate to stories that are aimed towards the you know general mm-hmm. white man like he's considered the everyman right mm-hmm. in these stories and so these are the stories that we are taught in school these this is the type of person that they make films for you know um a lot of the best the most popular films of all time include stories about you know the the like the you know this white man character Mm -hmm. and you know minorities are expected to also be like you know relate to these stories like we're raised to relate to these stories so suddenly there's a film that centers around um a young asian girl and it's like oh i can't relate to this story and it's like if you have a shred Mm -hmm. of empathy you know it's like think about (laughs) it's just like think about it's just it's having it's these people having to to come out of their comfort zone right it's incredibly it's incredibly relatable this story is incredibly relatable to travis's point no matter what ethnicity you belong to yeah because Mm -hmm. i had an overbearing mother who i rebelled against and i cared more about what my friends thought of me in my friend group than i cared what my mother thought of me You know, that's, but that's because that's, I feel like that is a universal thing that we all go through. It doesn't matter what, you know, what skin color of the, of the character is. Um, But these are just relatable themes. Mm -hmm. These Mm -hmm. are just relatable themes that we can all wrap our heads around. And to, and to your point, Destiny, I'm not discounting what you said about there being a certain, you know, a certain uh, ethnic demographic that they play to. I -hmm. think that is, I think that is the case. Um, But, um, but the, just the overarching themes in this movie are something that I think everyone can relate to, to some yeah. level. And, and I think I, it is a lack of imp. Go ahead, Travis. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't mean to cut you off. Um, no, you're fine. You're fine. But yeah, I, I think that somebody, somebody brought up a good point on Twitter and I forget who it was now. It was somebody that I follow, but they, uh, they brought up a good point of, 
the problem is that we tend to focus too much on our differences instead of the things we have in common because, and, and it's, mm-hmm. it is important just like what destiny was saying. It is important that we are telling stories from different points of view because that is good that we are giving other people a point of view and a story to tell that they're not, we're not used to seeing, but at the same time, there all of these experiences are shared across the entire human population these you know the the main themes there are a human theme not a a girl or or feminine or or asian or whatever they're they're everyone can relate to this if you try if you focus on the things that we have in common instead of just on the oh this is an, an asian girl so i i can't relate to this no but she's going through the same thing that you as a white kid in California might have been going through when you were 13. That just because of the differences doesn't mean that you can't relate to it. Because as, as a human race, we have shared experiences and we all have this, this things that we can relate to. And I think that that's just what irritates me so much about that criticism is because, you know, we have movies about dinosaurs and, 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 you know, people relate to Littlefoot, a, a, a dinosaur, but can't relate to a, a Chinese uh, Canadian girl if, who was growing up in 2002. It's like, my goodness, <laughs> what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> it is really interesting. Just as a, just as a, this isn't super important to the plot of the movie, but uh, it is kind of as a sidebar, it is really interesting. They chose 2002 as the year setting for this instead of like, yes, instead of 2020 or 2019. I, I'm not sure. I, I tried to look it up. I didn't know if there was like significance to that or, or what, but yeah, I just thought that was a funny little criticism, a funny little thing. About yeah. It. My husband and I were talking about that too, because he's like, okay, this isn't, it's like, is this for modern kids or who's it for? But it, we're like, it's written by people around our age and like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, ignore the time frame this is really like someone is using this platform to tell a story yeah. about maybe what they went through and mm-hmm. by sharing their own story you know it i'm wondering or speaks to other people i'm wondering the re- if the reason why this was set and t- it just dawned on me so i'm probably i may even be reading too much into this but um I'm wondering if the reason why this was set in 2002 is because by the time, by the time we get to uh, 2022, when this movie came out, we would be able to look back or uh, women of this age would be able to look back on a character like Mei Mei and say, you know what? That was me at 13 years old, or that was me. (laughs) That was, that was me back then. So that's maybe, by backing up the timeline a little bit, it does make it a little bit more retrospective for people in the age bracket that this would be now, I guess. I don't know. Maybe and, it's too much think, of a deep read there. And I think for me, what I took away from the time period, and, and, and I was like you, Michael, I was kind of wondering why, but I think the, what I came, <clears throat> the conclusion I came to was, you know, the, the basic rule of writing is write what you know. And I think mm. the the people who were creating this film, they wanted to make it a very personal film and mm. they wrote what they knew, which was 
growing up in 2002 uh in in canada uh you know so it was like it was it was a very specific thing to uh, a very specific setting for this movie which is which is different from a lot of pixar films because most pixar films are kind of nebulous in their time frames like you Mm -hmm. you kind of can pick out when they're when they take place like in finding nemo you can kind of pick out where it when it takes place by context clues but for the most part they they're just they're almost like they're like fairy tales in the sense of they can be told in any uh time period and you can still enjoy the story whereas this was such a specific time period and specific setting uh, so that took me aback, but I think it was because this movie was such a personal project for the people involved that they wanted to make it that much, that much more personal. Um, but I think we've been, uh-huh. we've been talking about a lot of the positives, uh, for this movie, but, but we like to do our positivity sandwich where we, we like to mix in a little bit of, of positives, then some of the negatives and then finish on some positives. So was, was there any negatives that you guys had for turning red um i wouldn't exactly call it a negative but there was at least one thing i was like i was kind of hoping for um in the movie and i was a little Mm -hmm. sad that they didn't go in that direction um but i guess spoiler alert (laughs) if you haven't (laughs) seen the movie um uh yeah um so the scene at the end um, with, you know, all of the aunties and the grandmother come and then, you know, they all like, um, you know, everyone, everyone's a red panda, um, you know, and then they have to go through the process of uh, reconciling with that. And then so most of them choose to, you know, lock their panda away again. Um and I was sort of like teeter tottering between like this sort of metaphor, like, you know, if mm-hmm. you reach a certain age, you like, you know, your panda goes away or like, I was just kind of hoping that they would all reconcile and be like, oh, this thing is, a this is a part of me. And so we are learning from May to accept this part of ourselves and kind of live with it. Um, mm-hmm. so I was a little, I was just like a little like disappointed. They didn't go in that yeah. direction. Yeah. Um, I, I was very similar. Cause I was like, uh, it, it didn't feel genuine to me that all of them except for May would choose to just kind of lock the panda away and not embrace it. Like the whole the whole point of this story has kind of, well, one of the, you know, morals to the story has been to embrace the thing that makes you different, embrace the thing that makes you uh, unique. And Mm -hmm. then to see only May, only her embrace it. And then the rest of her family just still chooses to stick with the status quo of no, we're going to lock it away and we're just not going to worry about it. And, and it's just like, and maybe it speaks to the fact that they were an older generation. And so the older generation is the kind that wants to stick to the status quo. And May May represents the young generation that's trying to change things and, and go against the grain. But 
I'm with you. I'm like, I, I would have liked to have seen even just the grandmother be like, I'm going to embrace this and, and I'm going to accept mm-hmm. this because you're right, oh. May May. This is something that, that we should accept and embrace. It would have made more, it actually would have made more sense for the mom to keep her panda than, yeah. uh, than mm. the grandmother. Because the grandmother is just very, you know, the grandmother was very insistent on burying that within yourself. But the mom, by the time the, you know, by the time the movie came to its conclusion, the mom had really started to come around. And during that scene where um, May May and her mother are having that, in, that kind of that really emotional, intimate moment with one another, I really expected her mother to step back through the portal mm-hmm. um, yeah. and embrace the, and is, embrace her own panda, which I think that would, for me personally, I think that would have been a better way to do it, but I can see why they didn't because all that does is just reinforce Maymay's individualism by letting her be the only one that keeps her panda right yeah like she like the story is about her finding herself like Mm -hmm. through the you know through the panda like (laughs) if childhood was that easy (laughs) right yeah And, and i think also you know one of the themes that i picked up on in the movie was tradition like family old world tradition versus you know new world changing and shaking things up and you know do we have to stick to the old ways because you know this was something that all of the women did in their family from generation to generation it didn't start with the grandmother it was you know even before her you know they were they were locking away the panda and stuff so it's breaking the cycle yeah it, it, mm-hmm. it's that breaking the cycle and so i think that was the theme they were trying to tell was just because something is a tradition doesn't mean you have to continue it you can you can break free from yeah. that and be an individual which i like that idea but i am i still agree more with with destiny i i lean more towards i wish that one of them and especially like you said the mother it made more sense for the mother even though the mother's panda is a is is what ten stories tall and and very dangerous, uh, so how she would have I mean, kept that's it? How and... the, mo- <laughs> the mother the mother's panda is the reason why this classifies as a kaiju film. Yes, yep. just... exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, um, one of the other negatives that I had for the movie, and it is just a small thing, but it is a thing that took me out of it, and it took me a bit to get back into it, was the uh, breaking the fourth wall at the beginning of it, and then uh, she does oh, it a few like times it. throughout. Do that. I, I, I think there's a, a place for it. This movie, and especially knowing that in almost every Pixar movie up to this point, they've this was the first one they've never that they've ever done that with. They've never broken the fourth wall before, and so coming into this, and she's just talking to the audience and telling them all about it. And it's like I I, I always have issues with characters who are narrating things that we can pick up on by context clues. You don't have to tell me what's happening. We can see what's happening. And that's what bothered me about the her breaking the fourth wall was that it wasn't used in a way that was interesting. It was just used to tell us what we already are seeing happen in the movie. And so I just well, it's didn't a very, like that. Yeah, it's a very personal 
I feel like, cause this is a very personal story. So maybe breaking the fourth wall, I'll play devil's advocate here just for a second and say that maybe, uh, breaking the fourth wall and allowing may to talk directly to the audience makes it more personal. But, but here's the thing, here's the, here's the argument against that is at the moments in this movie where we should hear what may is thinking we should hear her internal monologue telling us oh i don't know how to deal with this i don't know what's going on she doesn't break the fourth wall they don't break the they only break the fourth wall to tell us the uh, like establish who she is what she does what she likes and who her friends are and it's like but you can do that without breaking the fourth wall we can pick that up without i mean you're showing it to us anyway so why are you telling us and showing us just do one or the other and so yeah i don't i don't think it was what you were talking about michael because if that was the case then when she was struggling with certain decisions and certain feelings then she should be breaking the fourth wall and being like yeah, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. And this is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. But they don't do that. And that's what bothered me about it. It's like, that's why I said fourth wall breaking is, can be used in a good way. It's just, you have to use it properly to make it worth doing. Otherwise, don't do it at all. Um, Destiny, did you have anything you wanted to say about this? <laughs> Sorry, about we kind of went off. <laughs> i'm like no it's cool i'm just listening because for me i'm like oh you know i was just like i thought it was a little cheeky you know that they're like because to me the entire the, most of the film is quite fantastical anyway so i'm like eh, i don't care <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't um, know why that bothers me because we've talked about on the podcast before in other movies um even the movies even movies i really like just when a character starts narrating things to the audience i always have a problem with it because i'm like i feel like it's cheating because you're you're telling us stuff that we you you should be showing us or that you already are showing us so so this is just me being consistent and people who listen to the podcast (laughs) know this is nothing new (laughs) (laughs) it's sort of like how i feel when i read a book and i'm like oh great it's in first person (laughs) right yeah yeah um any other uh, negatives i don't have a i don't have a negative but i did have a thought because earlier we were talking about um breaking the cycle like that's come up a couple times and Mm -hmm. i just wanted to touch on that subject i see a lot of films right now that are doing that like having that narrative like Encanto also had a similar theme of mm-hmm. breaking this cycle of family trauma mm-hmm. and um I just notice it because like I think about it a lot and I'm like really happy to just see that um there are other people who are making stories about that this who are like trying to like bring attention to this like hey, we need to stop the cycle, you know, like, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that was also like relatable for me in the film is, um, you know, discussing this, like, this family trauma or, you know, and like, um, you know, breaking the cycle and like giving it, like allowing 
the younger generation to see it and address it. I guess, I guess it's somewhat of a negative. Um, is that, um, it, for no, me but... in these films, it's like, mm-hmm. of course, cause it's fantasy and it's like everything, everything turns out okay in the end. Like there's mm. not a whole lot of resistance. Like there's a little bit of resistance, but at the end it's like, I see your way of thinking and I'm totally going to change and everything's okay. And I'm like, people who are, who are watching this film, who are deep into that cycle of, of trauma or, you know, what they Mm -hmm. view as tradition, they're not going to see themselves in that character. They're going to see themselves in like the main character. So, right. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking of examples of that. Like you said, Encanto did that. But even going back to to um, uh, Black Panther even kind of had that story because, you know, the 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 cycle of isolating the country of Wakanda and not and, you know, not having any dealings with the outside world and stuff that the that was the journey that T'Challa went on in that movie of of. uh, Mm -hmm you know no you're wrong he even tells all of the the previous chiefs in kind of this dream world that he was in no you are wrong we're wrong this isn't what we should be doing we should be changing Mm -hmm. we should be doing something different and and so Mm -hmm. it just kind of breaks that cycle and and of course i had to throw in a black panther reference because it's one of my favorite movies i love that movie Um, (laughs) and then for me maybe at least this time it's appropriate Travis yeah (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) but I was thinking for me it kind of ties back into that whole like if they were accepting of their pandas at the end of the movie because of like I don't know it's like I, I go back and forth on it because I'm like realistically they wouldn't accept change but would it drive that story home more I don't mm-hmm. know, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tricky, but those are my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. I totally am on, I'm right there with you on that. Um, yeah, we can go ahead and start getting into our final thoughts now, I think, in our uh, Godzuki scores. So we like to rate our movies out of five Godzukis. Um, and you have of- to sing it, Destiny, by the way. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so what um what are your final thoughts? We'll start with Destiny. What are your final thoughts on Turning Red and uh what is your Godzuki score for it? Okay, so first of all, as I get into my final thoughts, I just want to say the scene where she's drawing the boy as a merman. <laughs> that was me. That was me. <laughs> I don't have any evidence of it anymore, but I think I had my face in my hands because I was taken back to when I was 13 years old drawing anime boys as angel mermen. So <laughs> anyone who says this movie is not relatable, excuse you. You, you feel so seen in that moment. I'm like, Ooh. I feel so seen and I'm cringing right now. Like, well, you know, who who hasn't? Because I've made that mistake before, too. Like, who hasn't uh, either not? Now, me, it wasn't drawing. Like, who hasn't like wrote and who hasn't like written a fictitious note to their crush? Like, for me, I got embarrassed one time when I was in middle school 
by this girl I liked because I wrote her a letter, but I was too scared to give it to her. And then my friends found out about it. And then and kids are mean and kids yeah. are horrible. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was not allowed to live that down for at least another year, at least a year or two. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, as you get but, older, stuff like that bothers you less because it's like, yeah, that's so what I was saying. It. I mean, it's I'm a imp- human experience. Like, yeah, like I, I didn't draw boys in a notebook, but I definitely had crushes on girls and stuff and, and drew them and, and wrote things about them and stuff, you know, as a as a 13 year old who didn't know what the world was like and how to deal with romantic feelings like that. So, yeah, it's a human <laughs> experience. It's something that we can all relate to if we're really honest right. with ourselves. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not a 13 year old Asian girl, but you know, I can still relate to what she's going through. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I also love how they approached it in that movie where she was kind of like, she was kind of like shocked where she's like doing these things and she's like, ha 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 ha. And then like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What does this Mm -hmm. mean? Ah, you know? And I'm like, I just, I really, I really, really liked that. And then it was like, um, I, I don't know, like that, that spoke to me like a lot more than like other shows that would be aimed towards like kids or other rom-coms or something where it's just like, <sighs> someone's like, you know, oh, like I'm really into boys and, uh, and you know, Timmy mm-hmm. and the next class is really hot. Because I'm like, that was like, not me i was like the person that was always seeing girls like friends around me doing that and i was more like may who i'm like i'm drawing these i'm drawing pictures of mermen and i'm like i don't know what this means but all right (laughs) (laughs) drowning my feelings in my sketchbook (laughs) right (laughs) how do i process this um so I really liked, I just, I really liked that. And like, I was just, I was like enjoying myself watching this movie. Um, and like, I really, I really like the trend that's kind of been going on with some of the more recent movies I've seen where there's not like a clear cut villain. So mm-hmm. May has conflicts in the movie like she has conflicts with her mom she has conflicts with the bullies she has conflicts with her friends she has conflicts with herself but none of those people are actually like bad people mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just like it's just like these are hurdles that you need to overcome and i like really appreciate that like the mother and the extended family they're not painted as horrible people like you know they're just they're just also dealing with their own conflicts and um i like that a lot i also really liked how um this movie took a lot of inspiration from manga Mm -hmm. um it is very common in shoujo manga where it's like the character is like my feelings are so strong i like transform into this other thing like i'm thinking of the things that come to mind is like um kaiju girl caramelize is like that um mm-hmm. tokyo Mew Mew was like that the girl's like whenever i see a cute boy and my emotions go crazy i turn into a cat <laughs> i was reading uh about this movie on imdb and it did it did mention how uh 
uh, Dami Shi, the director for this, uh, that she was really inspired. And she specifically wrote down uh, a few anime that she grew up watching, which was Fruits Basket, Ranma yep. One Half, which I don't know that Yeah, one. we were talking. Yeah, those are ones that we mentioned too when we were watching it. Yeah. yeah. What was the and other Sailor, one? Uh, Sailor Moon and Inuyasha, which I picked up on the Inuyasha one yep. and Sailor Moon one, but um, but yeah. I didn't. I don't know what Ranma One Half is. That one. That one I don't know. Ranma Half is a great classic anime um, written by Rumiko Takahashi. She's an amazing writer illustrator. Um, she also did Inuyasha. Oh, okay. Um, it is about a boy and his dad they're martial artists and one day they're training in martial art over these sacred pools and rama falls into the pool of a drowned maiden and his dad falls into the pool of a drowned panda so whenever they are splashed with hot or cold water they transform so rama is half boy half girl and his dad is half man half panda Oh, okay. And then okay. shenanigans. Yeah. See, I, I never, I, I've never seen that one. I, 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 I watched a lot of anime when I was a kid. Uh, Inuyasha was one I, I knew. I definitely watched Sailor Moon, uh, Fruits Basket. I, I knew of, but never watched. But um, I also picked up a little bit on uh, some. It, it felt like there was some Tenchi Muyo or Tenchi Universe kind of stuff in here. If anybody's ever watched that anime, I feel oh, like that some of that yeah. was in here too. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, so just to kind of echo what you were saying that this, it feels very manga anime inspired. And I, and I, I that was on purpose because Domi, she, the director, uh, said that she was directly inspired by like the anime that she was growing up oh. and watching. Nice. I also love the boy group. They remind me of boys. Was it boys for now from Bob's Burgers? Mm-hmm. Um, it does. <laughs> a, a little, <laughs> and like a little, a little anecdote. I have, and it's going to be a little bit off topic, but um, I was working in my studio, I don't know, like last week, and I had the window open, and I hear the neighborhood children coming home from school, and they're all singing, and I'm like, this song sounds really familiar, and then I realized that they were singing the boys band song from this movie oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I just thought that was like really funny, I was like, I was like, these kids must have really liked this movie because they would have had to watch it like a hundred times to know this song word for mm-hmm. word. <laughs> yeah. And they're just like outside my house, like jamming out to the song. And I'm just like, all right, cool. I'm trying to work. Keep it down. Thanks. Get <laughs> off my lawn. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I know. It's I such mean, an adult thing of like kids having fun. How dare you have fun? I've got adult things to do. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad here, you like the movie. <laughs> and here I am sitting in my office surrounded by all my toys. And I'm the one complaining about children. Uh, right. My, why are you calling me out like that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, all things considered, what what score would you give, uh, Destiny? So, are Godzukis out of five? Yeah, we usually ten. do out of five Godzukis. Okay, you, that's it, what I thought. It's I, it's I, a thank silly. Thank you for confirming. 
it's a silly little thing that we started that so it really doesn't matter you do whatever you want to do <laughs> yes it does travis this is the, uh, this is the officially approved scoring system for toho yes it's official <laughs> officially official i would give it 4.5 Gatsukis. um <laughs> i really like the movie i would i hesitate to give it a perfect score because i mean it's not it's not totally perfect right. i wasn't like i'm going to go watch this movie a bajillion times because it's my favorite thing ever but uh it really spoke to me i had a really good time i thought it was super cute i would definitely watch it again i've recommended people watch it um i kind of made my younger sister watch it who's into red pandas and like her attitude was like this movie's like for furries and i'm like <laughs> no not just for furries it's for everyone okay but especially furries <laughs> but also furries furries would enjoy it but that doesn't mean it's also not for other people <laughs> it doesn't mean you have it doesn't mean you have to be a furry to enjoy this movie but it helps right <laughs> again same rule for b stars um <laughs> uh, so so michael now let's let's go on to you what what score would you give uh, and what are your final thoughts on turning red? You know, I'm I'm going to steal something that you say, Travis, where I where you like to say that if there's you base a movie on if there is anything you can add or take away from it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get my score and then I'm going to give you my reason first. Uh, so my score is going to be a four out of five. Godzuki. <laughs> um, and the reason for that being this movie and I'm. And I'm saying this, and I'm not saying this to be derogatory, but this movie wasn't for me. Like, this movie was not for me, but I can relate to the things in this movie. Um, this movie is is a good story that deals with some tough subjects uh, and deals with some subjects that don't get talked about enough, like womanhood and growing up and doing it from a uh, accessible, not talking down to you perspective. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I like Pixar movies. I like Pixar movies to begin with. I like Pixar movies more than I like, you know, most Disney films. Um, just because I think there's a maturity level to, uh, to Pixar movies that goes uh, unnoticed sometimes or even un unacknowledged. And I really want to just acknowledge the maturity level in this movie. This movie is not, I wouldn't say per se for kids, uh, this is for uh, coming of age adolescents to, to young adults. But I think kids, even if they're not in this position yet, they will and they can still relate to it. So um, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to. Um, although I didn't read, I did not read the reviews for this movie before I watched it, which I'm glad I didn't because that probably would have maybe spoiled the experience for me. But this was a lot of, this was cute. A lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, yeah. So for my uh, final thoughts, I, I, I think one of the reasons why I might not 
have enjoyed this movie as much as I was hoping to was because I had been actually, I, I had been following this movie for a little while. Cause I, I, I keep track of like D 23. I always look at the news that comes from the Disney expo every year. So I knew that this was a movie that was coming and I was looking forward to it. So when it was finally released on Disney plus, I was like, Oh yeah, this is that movie I've been hearing about and I wanted to check out. So I think my expectations was a little bit too high for it maybe uh and so it did it certain parts of it kind of let me down but overall mm. this was a great movie I, I think it's a great movie for families i think you know adults can enjoy it yeah. kids can enjoy it <clears throat> anybody can relate to it if you really try to it is written and from the perspective and for a specific group but anybody can relate to it um because of those experiences and we didn't really talk too much about the relationship between the mother and daughter uh, in this. And, and something that I thought was really interesting was that this isn't the first Pixar movie that covered the mother daughter relationship. You know, we had brave mm -hmm. a while back that kind of touched on that same, that, that covered that same topic, but this movie did it so much better, I think, uh, than brave. did. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, this one, and I think also because this was written by a woman who actually experienced that, whereas Brave was not written by a woman. So it was kind of an outsider writing about an experience that they didn't have versus someone who experienced it themselves firsthand. Um, that, you know, is probably a big reason why the quality is a little bit better in this. Um, overall, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. It, it does count as a kaiju movie because Strange Beast, um, the red panda in general is a strange beast, plus the, the mother was a giant red panda, so it counts. Um, so that's why it's on their podcast. But, but yeah, uh, I think yeah. overall, I give it a four out of five Katsuki's. Not perfect. There's a lot of things I would, ch I would change and I would make adjustments to. But still good and still worth watching. Yeah, I was going to say, like, are we going to address the giant red panda in the room? <laughs> yeah, the giant. It was, I, I like that they maintained the cuteness of it, even though it was big and, and meant to be scary. But it still had the fluffy cuteness aspect, which was, like, really interesting how you can make it, make something big and scary, but still have a little bit of cuteness to it. I just think that that was neat. Um, I liked her mom's design, too. Like, I liked her hair, but she was mm -hmm. also giving me, like, really, like, because before we saw this movie, I think we had rewatched um, The Little Mermaid. So she was giving me some Ursula vibes, like, oh, with her yeah. design. You know, and there's a scene where she comes over the stadium and kind of like is like, burr, burr, burr. and it just reminded me of the scene with Ursula where she's mm -hmm. like towering over like the ship and everything. Honestly, what the what really kind of solidified? I think did I text? I don't know if I texted this to you, Travis, or not, but I know I told somebody because it made me think of that that scene when she's like towering over the stadium. I was getting Guardian of the Universe vibes. Just saying. Oh, yeah. You got a camera, <laughs> Guardian of the Universe. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh yeah it definitely it definitely knows that um also just as a side note i may not leave this in but uh talking about characters that we relate to i found myself relating more to uh one of the other characters than to may may herself uh the one that i related to the most was the very hyperactive friend who just wanted to hug her because she was so fluffy uh i forget her name <laughs> now but the you know the one i'm talking about the kind of shorter of the friend group that was oh really yeah the one that was just like ah! <laughs> yeah just I, I was like that was me <laughs> i thought you would relate more to the sleepy one the uh, one where she talks really slow and she's but see, she wasn't sleepy she was just kind of she's that that 2002 emo kind of girl that's oh, where yeah. she yeah. was at yeah. um i i it, me as a 13 year old i was more like the the girl that was just like just uh, i i need my fix i need my fix of fluffiness you know it's just like how <laughs> how hyperactive and and crazy she was and just random she was like that's me that was me at 13 <laughs> maybe that's who i identified with because i was kind of the emo kid in school like I was kind of the emo. Like I thought I, I was. Thought I was like I. I thought I was gonna be like super cool and re and and recluse myself from everybody because I thought that was really cool and mysterious. But you were gonna be like uh, a jerk, Robert Pattinson's Aww. Batman. <laughs> maybe, maybe I hung out with all this. You can leave the. You don't. You have to leave this in. But I hung out with all the stoner band kids. So, uh, so anyway. okay. you thought yeah, they were I, just being cool and aloof but they were right, actually they were just, just stoned they were all just stoned yeah exactly. <laughs> over like, there wow. with like their hacky sacks or whatever hey look i was a hacky sack kid in high school uh, yeah uh, yeah i can see it i can see it <laughs> i was i was a little bit of a dude bro i mean come on <laughs> oh man uh you probably had frosted tips in high school too huh we're not going to talk about that <laughs> oh. we can now move on to the next segment of the podcast which is what michael it's the mailbag the mailbag <laughs> <laughs> what's in the mail today Uh, but if you would like to send us a letter to be read out on the mailbag segment, you can do that kaijuweekly at gmail.com or you can tweet us at kaijuweekly on Twitter. And we have a letter from Thomas who sent us a question. He said, hi, are oh. you planning on covering any Doctor Who in the future? Sincerely, Thomas. Now, I don't oh, know if you guys uh, are big Doctor Who fans. So. I am not. Mm, me either okay i am not i've watched a little bit of doctor who uh julie watches doctor who but i just couldn't i just really couldn't get into it i tried i watched like a bunch of different episodes from like different seasons and i was just like for some reason it just did not click with me and i can't i can't tell you why I don't maybe know. It's, uh, maybe it's like the dry British humor of it that didn't quite. And I like British humor. I like Monty Python and some other. Yeah, but... I, me too. I love Monty Python. I just saw Spam a lot a couple weekends ago. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> it, it might also be, and this is something that I, I talk about with, uh, I've talked about with other people with Doctor Who, is the type of sci-fi that, that is Doctor Who is very different than you're like, if, if you're a fan of like Star Trek or, or things like that, where yeah. those are more cerebral, more uh, grounded, you know, type things, whereas Doctor Who is just wacky sci-fi that is... It, it's a very unique style of sci-fi that you're not going to get in other things. And if you're not a fan of that type of science fiction, then it's not going to appeal to you because it is just very unique and very wacky. Um, like I but, want uh, to find, like I want to like Dr. Who because I have, I have friends. We have a, our mutual friend, Nathan loves Dr. Who Travis. Mm-hmm. I would love to get into Dr. Who. I just can't like, for some reason I've tried. I can't, I love classic Trek. Uh, I love like I love classic Star Trek. I love the zany craziness of that is certain seasons of Sentai, but Doctor Who just is something that I just could not just could not grasp. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, and, and like I said, this is a very different type of sci-fi than than like a Star Trek or something. It's very British sci-fi, especially the wackier sci-fi is very different. It's like how Japanese sci-fi is very different than you would get in you know, like an American sci-fi show. So so it could just be that. It could be like, you know, just because you're a fan of sci-fi doesn't mean you're a fan of all types of sci-fi. And this is just that one that maybe just is outside you guys's area of where you would just enjoy it. Um, as far as covering it on the podcast, I wouldn't be opposed to it because there are some episodes, especially early who like from the you know, 70s and 80s um, that have monsters that would qualify as much as like a Super Sentai uh, villains, you know, as much as the Kaijin and those would qualify uh, for the podcast. Uh-huh. So, you know, it is something I'm not opposed to, but for right now, because my regular co-host Michael doesn't know anything about Doctor Who and doesn't enjoy Doctor Who. Um, it would have to be something we'd have to find the right guest to be on to talk about it. Yeah. And, and so there's just no plans yeah. to cover it, but not opposed to it. So hopefully that answers your question, Thomas. Um, yeah. So, so the only other thing to do for this episode is to read the trivia question that hints to what we're covering next week. And the question is before directing Godzilla 2014, Gareth Edwards also served as the cinematographer, production designer, visual effects artist, and director of what monster film? So he did a lot of things. He wore a lot of hats for for this movie. So before he did Godzilla 2014, what movie did he uh, serve all those roles in? Um, and so to close out this episode, we're going to say thank you to Destiny Kaiju Hime for joining us. Would you like to share your plugs and where people can find you, find uh, all the stuff that you've created and buy or pre-order that Gigan body p- pillow that you... <laughs> Uh, created. <laughs> uh, guys just to let you know that pillow is going fast um <laughs> i i did not i didn't so i knew some people were interested and like so i only ordered like a few copies i think i ordered about 10 um and so i've just listed them on my site this afternoon so by the time you listen to this I'll probably have a back orders page or something up. Um, 
just to see how everything goes. But yeah, the the that's available. You can go to rainleafstudio.storeenvy.com um, and try your luck and get one there. Uh, and lately I've taken to uh, streaming. So you can find me on twitch.tv slash um, X because someone had already taken Kaiju Hime and I don't I was what? like but you're not doing anything with this account uh, yeah um, so that's me you can also find me on Twitter at Kaiju Hime um, I post a lot of my Twitch stuff there it's something that I've I'm trying to get into um, more often um, I do stream some video games and I also stream some artwork um, sometimes you might catch me doing artwork for um, Apex. So I'm working with Henry of It Came From a Monster Movie podcast, mm -hmm. and we're getting uh, a webcomic started. So that mm -hmm. should be, you should start seeing things in like April sometime. Um, given my we're gonna busy be, schedule. <laughs> we're going to be talking to you guys for Kaiju Ramen about that project too. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Mm -hmm. So a lot, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on. Um, but feel free, come hit me up on Twitter. Come hang out with me on Twitch. Um, if you want to have a chill time. Um, again, like my whole thing is, you know, the world is difficult right now. So, you know, if you need something to distract you for like two hours, come hang out with me on Twitch. It might be a good time, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we thank you. We thank you so much for being on the podcast. We love having you on here. So anytime you're yeah, on, this was you a always pleasure, Des. Thank uh, you so much. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. Uh, we also want to say a big thank you to everyone for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Kaiju Weekly. All the links to our social media, as well as for the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group, are listed in the description of this episode. You can send questions, comments, or answers to our trivia questions to our email, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. We also want to say a big thank you to everyone who has supported Kaiju Ramen Magazine so far. The printed copies of Issue 5 are on the way, and we are still hard at work getting it, Kaiju Ramen Volume 1 put together to send out to everyone who supported the Kickstarter for that. So stay tuned. There's a lot of fun things in store for Kaiju Ramen. If you want to find out more about the magazine the the other podcasts that we do in the kaiju ramen podcast network which includes uh henshin men and the power trip you can check out our website kaiju ramen media.com now michael now you go ahead <laughs> yep and, if, and there's one more thing folks can do to help support this show, podcast, and that's by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star rating or review and if you do that that's what um, and if you do that that's shoot i can't talk and if you do that, this shoot, I cannot talk. Why is wrong? What is wrong with me? Um, you got this. And, I know. Thank you, Des. Um, <laughs> and if you do that, what that's going to do is put this show in front of other Kaiju and Tokusatsu fans just like you uh, and just like the wonderful Kaiju Hime here. Yeah. And if you do that, we'll read it out on a future episode of the podcast. 
Yes, which we will start doing again because we have a couple of them that have been posted that we need to read out. Um, so we will be doing that soon. Uh, yeah, and so to close out this episode, I'm going to say help control the red panda population. Have your... Wait, no, don't have them spayed or neutered because they're endangered and we need more of them. <laughs> I was going to say, aren't they endangered already? <laughs> yes, yes. So... So for once, don't have this thing spayed or neutered. <laughs> Goodbye, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.